0: And if you've got uh, your scripture with you, I'd love for you just to open up to John chapter 9. This is uh, an easy one. You know, we've tried to summarize these chapters with a key word, and I think probably all of us got to the same key word this morning. But there's just a simple principle in this chapter. You know, all these chapters are rich, and you can take different turns. And if you just jumped on board this morning and you're not sure what's going on, uh, we're studying the book of John, not like all 22 chapters at once, but we did a chunk of, uh, back in the summer. We're doing a few more chapters now, taking just a chapter a week, I'm encouraging you to read along at home, and I hope you're doing that. In fact, can I just, I'll try a show of hands, just see how it works. Some of you are reading along beforehand in, in the Gospel of John? Okay, that's uh, pretty good. I'd love to encourage all of us to get on that wavelength because the key, I think, one of the keys, two or three, but one of the keys for Passion City Church is that you and I learn to study God's word for ourselves. That sounds like a really simple thing to say this morning, but I'm aware and you're aware of how few people actually ever open the word of God between Sundays. And And statistics say it's remarkably low number of people. And I just don't, I want to make sure that we don't get in that habit of, well, I'll go on Sunday and somebody will will tell me something great, and I'll chew on that. And that's not God's plan for your life. God's plan for your life and my life is to, to give us this word. Uh, the one I have is in English, and, um, so I can understand and understand it. And you're like, well, but yeah, but I don't understand all of the whole Bible. But you'll understand most of it. If you just start reading it, there'll be very few things. And there'll be a couple things. There are things I don't understand in the Bible. I don't know if that makes you excited or nervous. But... Um, <laughs> You know, that's what study is for, and I'm not through studying the Word of God. I'm not through learning the Word of God. I go and research things. I go and dig, what does that mean? I go and click on the next level down and go, what does that word mean, and why did they use that phrase there? I'm still doing that. We're all on a journey, but here is the most amazing thing, and I just wanna say this as maybe a preface before we jump in this morning. The author of this book is living. See, that's not true of every book that you read. It is true of some of the books that you read, but a bunch of you guys read books written by people who are now dead, which is not a bad thing because they wrote a good book, but you can't talk to them about it. But the author of this book is living, and it's possible to have a relationship with him so that when you read the Gospel of John, Chapter 9, it's possible to read it along with Jesus. Now, that's a pretty crazy thought right there, to sit down with Jesus and read a chapter of Scripture that has a whole lot of his words in it, and say, that's amazing when you said that. And he goes, I know. That was incredible. What were you thinking when you said that? And you're like, well, he's not going to talk back to you. He might, through, this, through the work of the Spirit, he might enlighten you if you ask him to help you understand what are you saying Why did you write this? Why did you do this? What were you thinking? What do you want me to understand out of this? And it's a relationship where the word is not just ink on a page, but it is a living, breathing word representing a living, breathing God. And we have both the living, breathing word and the living, breathing God at the same time. And I just think that we're going to get to the place ultimately where we want to be at Passion City Church. If you're able to open the book, study the Bible for yourself... Dig something up out of it, even if it's a beginning step and it's just a little bitty thing, and when you share it in your little group of friends, everybody goes, yeah, we already knew that. You're like, well, I'm glad you did. I didn't, and I'm still excited, and nobody's raining on my parade. I'm fired up. I was talking to a guy who's here and he, he was uh, at uh, one of the gatherings we had and God just turned a light bulb on in his mind about something and he was so fired up and he went back to his business the next day and they had a little small group Bible study to his business and he, he walked in and he said, you're not going to believe this, guys, look at this, isn't this incredible? And everyone in the room went, yeah, we already knew that. And he was so deflated, he said, because it was like, I just had a revelation and everybody else says, yeah, we we knew that already. Don't let other people's level of knowledge rain on your parade. If you get a little 10 watt light bulb goes off and you just realize Jesus is the son of God, then you roll with it. You go with it strong and hard and you let everybody know, I just figured out Jesus is the son of God. And hey, if you got a 100-watt light bulb or a three-way or, three or you're a floodlight, somebody comes in and says, hey, man, this is unbelievable. Jesus is the Son of God. Don't go, that's all you got out of it? <laughs> go, isn't that awesome that he's the Son of God? Man, what an incredible thing to know. So many people on the planet don't know that today. What an incredible thing to know. And so just want to get us in that mindset. Is it okay if I just drop that out there this morning? We, I know um, and it does encourage me. If you, like, if you came here and said, hey, I really like the way that you teach, that would encourage me because I would rather you not come here and go, man, we like Passion City, but we just have to barely tolerate you week by week by week, but we're getting through it, you know, because I'm a human being, so I would prefer that, that I could use my gift and it would encourage you, but I don't, have no aspirations here. I have no aspirations here to be the person that you would come to and go, man, I know every week I can get something from that guy. I would love to lead a church where you knew every day I can get something from Jesus Christ. Every day I can get something from the word of God. And so this morning as we jump in, it's pretty amazing. I love the little story headers, especially when we're in the narrative. And the story header for John chapter nine, and this whole chapter is very simple. It says, Jesus heals a man born blind. And that is kind of what happens in this chapter, but this chapter is not about this guy. I just want you to understand that this chapter is about you, and this chapter is about me today. And this morning, I, I, just, I have such a, a heart for this morning because I, I just praying that God is gonna do something in your life this morning. Not that we're gonna all get done and go, oh, I've got the key word, and I, I got the key word right, and I got a little nugget of truth, but I'm really praying this morning that God will intersect our lives and touch our lives in a powerful way. Not that we would just read what happened to this guy, but we would know that what happened to this guy could happen to us. Just back up into chapter eight, and let's remember where we left off last week. Uh, Verse 58, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. So now he's fully out in the open, and he has identified himself in the Jewish way of thinking as God Almighty. He's come out with it. He says, remember Moses, the burning bush. What, what, what will I tell Pharaoh who sent me? Tell him I am sent you. Tell him I am that I am. That's my name, and it will be my name to every single generation. And then Jesus comes on the scene. He's slowly revealing who he is. He's slowly unfolding the works and the plans that he has to do on earth. And finally, they've just pushed him, and he's finally tired of it. And he just pulls it all out at the end of this chapter, and he says, I am. Before Abraham, which you're so concerned about, I am. To put it in present-day language, for some people, I know it wouldn't matter to those of you here this morning, but some people are all all, uh, concerned about being a Presbyterian. Or they're all concerned about being a Baptist or a good Pentecostal, or our family was an evangelical, or this, or we were a Catholic family, or we came from here, and Jesus is saying, you know what, that's great, traditions are great, but before there were Baptists, there was me. Before there were Presbyterians, guess what, there was me. Before there was a Catholic church, there was me in my church. Before there was any other faith tradition or any other journey that people could be on, there was me. So let's, let's say, that's great, congratulations. I love Abraham. Abraham was the father of our faith. I'm the one that set him in motion. I'm the one that made Abraham for crying out loud. I created Abraham, I like Abraham. I'm in fact gonna spend eternity with Abraham, but before there was Abraham, there was me. So let's all applaud Abraham's faith, but don't miss me. So if if you're hung up on something like that, Jesus is just saying, hey, the tradition was great, where you came from is great, but don't get hung up on that, because I'm here and I'm Jesus. How sad if you were standing in a tradition And you said, you know what, I I hear what you're saying to me about how God's changing your life, but we're good fill in the blank. We came from XYZ church. Well, I see what you're saying about how God's restoring your marriage, but, you know, we've always been good whatevers. And Jesus is saying, don't stop with Abraham, because before Abraham, I am. Terrible English, bad grammar, awesome theology. Before Abraham was, I am. Before your life fell apart, I am. Before the bottom fell out on you, I am. Before your mess ups, I am. Before you lost the plot, I am. Before you made something great of your life, I am. I am at the beginning. And when he said he was I am, you would think they would be like, thank you so much for saying that. We've been waiting for centuries for you. We've been looking for you and believing for you and hoping for you. And now you're here. This is awesome. No, it says, and when he said that, they picked up stones to stone him. (laughs) Because that was the highest degree of blasphemy But it wasn't his time yet. And Jesus hid himself and he slipped away from the temple grounds. Story opens up, John chapter nine. As he went along, verse one, he saw a man blind from birth. Okay, we're just gonna kind of work our way through. Can we just stop there for a second? Isn't that awesome? Did you see the man blind from birth as you went along? Isn't that awesome? Remember the key word from John chapter nine? um, uh, which chapter was John chapter 7? Does anybody remember John chapter 7's keyword? word? It's a little tricky question because we didn't go in order. Anybody remember? Missional. Missional. It's a word that's not in the dictionary. Isn't that cool that we could pick a word that's not really even in Webster's dictionary? Missional. So when Jesus was going along, there was a man there who was born blind, and Jesus saw the man. And I just love that, and I want to put that out there today, that Jesus sees the man born blind. You I, I may walk right past the man born blind. You might have driven past the man born blind coming in here today, but Jesus saw the man born blind. Jesus sees. Jesus is on a mission. Jesus is paying attention. Jesus got his eyes open. Jesus is into the plan of God. And I love that. He sees the man born blind from birth. Does the man born blind from birth see Jesus? No. He may hear that he's coming along because Jesus always created a little bit of a stir. Or in this case, Jesus might have been slipping in a little bit quietly. But Jesus saw the man. The man didn't see him. Jesus saw the man. Well, why didn't the man see him? Because he was blind. Isn't that awesome? Before the man saw Jesus, Jesus saw the man. And that's true of you today. Before you ever saw Jesus, he saw you. Before you ever laid eyes on him, He had already laid eyes on you. Well, the disciples, you know them, they can't just be happy that there's a man born blind and something cool's gonna happen. They haven't figured that out yet. You know, they should have at this point said, oh man, let's step back, something's gonna happen, this is gonna be amazing. No, they have to get involved. And so they decide they do a little, you know, discipleship question and answer time. Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? In the day of Jesus, it was believed that if you were born blind or you were crippled in other ways, it was a result of maybe sin in your life or sin in somebody else's life, and they just were trying to figure out, okay, this guy was born blind. Is this his fault or is this his parents' fault? I'm like, how can it be his fault if you were born blind? I mean, were you just like obnoxious in the womb, and so, you know, what, how, how could that be his fault? But they want to, is it his fault or is it his parents' fault? Do you realize how many, how many options did they give Jesus for the answer? Two. Don't ever do that, because that's just not the way God works. So, you know, we're kind of like A or B people, you know what I'm talking about? God, did you do this because of this, or did you do it because of this? And he's like, I got to pick one of those? (laughs) It's kind of like the church, right? Is the church supposed to be about worship and discipleship and building people up and making disciples, or is the church supposed to be about reaching the world and reaching the lost and building bridges to people who are not in the church? Which is it supposed to be? You're like, do I have to pick one of those? I mean, I think yes, you know, is the answer. And so we're always trying to put God in a, in a box, and people are always trying to put us in a box. Jesus doesn't like boxes, just so you'll know. And so he answers, neither. I love it. He just came right out with, uh, no, not A, no, not B. Neither one. C, answer is gonna be C this time, guys. It's neither this man nor his parents who sin. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. For night is coming when no one can work. And while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. There are, there's so much horsepower in that verse. What Jesus is saying is it's not about this guy or his parents and I just hope that you'll, you'll hear me. Some of you are carrying very difficult things and I think that we have a tendency in faith to skirt around difficult things when there really is clear truth to navigate us through difficult times. And the truth here is a difficult answer, and we can get right past it in a hurry because something cool is going to happen. God's going to spit on the ground. God's going to make mud. He's going to put on the guy's eyes. The guy's going to see, and then all the things are going to blow up again. And so we can kind of miss this incredibly powerful, helpful, sovereign truth that's here. And what he says is this guy is blind because God has a purpose. That's why he's blind. You can't get around that in this text I can't I can't dance around that I, I'm not sure I fully understand how God works all the time I'm not fully sure I can answer all the questions of why why did this happen or or why was this child born like this what our child I mean imagine those parents our child was born blind and imagine all the questions they've had all their lives I mean, the disciples got questions, but imagine the parents' questions. Imagine the guys' questions. Imagine everybody wondering, why did this happen to me? What, what went wrong? God, what, what did we not do right? Why, why, didn't, why don't you love us, or why, don't you, why didn't you care about us? And the answer comes back, this isn't mostly about you. Oh, you're about to get in on it in a massive way. You are about to get in the Bible, for crying out loud. Your family is gonna be in John chapter nine, and they're gonna talk about you at Passion City Church and all the other churches in the world. You're about to have a blow-up explosion of God's grace and mercy in your life, but this is not primarily about you. This is primarily about God and about the purposes and the works that God is unfolding in the whole earth. Do you see that today? This guy had been blind from birth so that Christ could walk up into this moment and do what he intended to do to open up the purposes of God for the whole world, not just for a guy. This story is not about a guy who couldn't see and at the end of the chapter he could see. This story is about God revealing his purposes and his heart and his plan to you to me the man born blind is a hero in heaven when when you run into him in heaven what'd you do well we I, I worked at a, at a marketing company yeah we, we were pretty amazing we were first telemarketers in the USA annoyed the heck out of everybody and and uh, then they got no call numbers and so we went on to email marketing and started spamming everybody that's what I did it was awesome we had a great run at it made some money what'd you do oh I was a uh, man born blind And I was on the side of the road one day, and Jesus walked up, unbelievable, spit on the ground, put mud on my eyes, and I got into scripture. (laughs) I'm into scripture. You've probably seen me. John 9, that's me. (laughs) You're that guy? Uh Uh-huh. What was that like? Unreal, brother. And so then you ask that guy, well, here's the options. You can either go back and be born with sight or not have all that happen. What do you want? What's that guy going to tell you? Are you kidding? I mean, look around. You know, I mean, hello. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm in the story of God. I impacted your life and countless people's lives through all the centuries of faith. I am so happy with the way God used my life. But you were blind. I know. I know. Who knew God could take someone blind and do something so amazing? You see, this shift comes for us when we get our heads around the idea that it's not about us. And if you're struggling with something today, anything today, I don't know all of what it could be, but I know that down at the core of a lot of it could be simply this. It's, it's not about you. And as soon as you stop making it about you, you'll start finding the peace and the purposes of God washing over your heart. As soon as you move you out of the center with God and everyone else orbiting around and you move you out here and put God at the center with you and everyone else orbiting around, it will reframe. It doesn't make it easier. If you have a child born blind, it does not make it easier for you to know that God has an incredible purpose that he's unfolding for the nations through your child. It does not make it easier. But it certainly changes perspective. And it makes it far more hopeful to know that God is at work. And that was the answer. It's not his parents and it's not him. This is God at work. That's why this man was born blind because God has purposes that he wants to unfold. And then Jesus drops the missional in. He says, and by the way, those purposes have an expiration date on them. Man, mean, this just shot through me this week. It's just the little things in the text, but it just shot through me. And he said, while it is day, we have to work because night is coming and no one can work when night comes. And so we got to keep on with understanding the purposes of God. Things like what's about to happen right here today, they happen while it's daytime and nighttime is coming. What does that mean today? It means for us corporately that we have a job to do. We have a, we have a role to play on earth. What does it mean for you personally? It means there's an expiration date on the grace and mercy of God. And if you don't tap into it in the daytime, you're not going to have it in the Tonight. It means that it's this not this indefinite, you know, I'm just going to make up my mind when I want to as to how I'm going to respond to God's purposes. You don't have that luxury and I don't either. It's day right now, and I have no idea when night is. It might be 30 minutes from now when night comes. It could be tomorrow when night comes. Uh, who knows how long it's going to be day, but we do know it's day right now. And Jesus said, while well, it's day, we got to be about the work of God This guy was born blind for the work of God. Now I'm gonna show you what I'm gonna do. And Jesus steps into that moment with this sense of urgency. And it says, verse six, he spit on the ground. I love that. Jesus spit. I wasn't allowed to spit when I was a kid. I love it. Jesus spit on the ground. Now you shouldn't spit in public and in front of other people, but occasionally it's just good to walk out by yourself and spit a few times. It's kind of a good human thing. He spit on the ground. Ladies, I don't know about you. I'm not really sure if ladies need to spit ever under any circumstances. Well, ladies don't spit, but females might spit at some point, but I'm sure ladies don't. So he spit on the ground. So imagine that. So he says his little deal. So here, boom, bam, bam, bam. And I don't know if he did a big one or a little one, or if he just drew. I don't know. You're like, why does it matter? It matters to me. It matters to me. It's putting him in human context. It's putting him out of the robe and the glow and the, and the beard and every, all the hair that's doing just perfect and now he just spits on the ground. Maybe he's just said, you know what, guys, come on, you're not getting this, <laughs> spits on the ground. bends down, gets the spit and makes mud out of his own spit. Now imagine if you're one of the disciples and you're looking down going, oh, okay, this is cool, this is weird, we've never seen him do this one before. He makes the mud and he walks over to the guy and he puts the spit mud on the guy's eyes. The guy is not freaked out because he doesn't see it coming. And so (laughs) I couldn't resist. And so, you know, he just wipes it on the guy's eyes. The guy doesn't know if it's spit mud. The guy didn't see all this go down unless it was a real loud one. And so he doesn't know. And so he puts the spit on his eyes And he says to him, go. Now, there's a whole nother sermon in here that we're just going to skip over. That was his word, go. In other words, okay, if you want to know what sermon we skip over, whenever God intervenes into our lives and works on our behalf, it is so that we would be sent. God never intervenes and works on our behalf so that we could sit. Never. Oh God worked on my behalf He intervened for my life I'm just going to sit right down in the goodness and the the, the glory Of what God has done He's like no 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 I intervened And I worked on your behalf So that you could then be sent Because guess what It's daytime right now And while it's daytime You got to go So he says to the guy Go you're like Hey you're making all that up No he said go Wash yourself in the pool of Siloam Which means sent It's all there and so he goes to the Pool of Siloam, pretty amazing place on the south side of Jerusalem. I've been to the Pool of Siloam and uh, got down in there and got wet a little bit. And he goes there and he, and he washed and he came home seeing. What a great trip home that was. He had, to, had, he had somebody take him there. Did you think about the, who that was? Hey, I'm supposed to go to the Pool of Siloam and wash this mud off my eyes. Can you take me? And I'll take you. On the way home, Nobody. Just him. Uh Uh-uh. He's never, ever seen the sky. Can you imagine (laughs) what he's feeling? He gets home, and this is where it gets interesting. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed he was. Another said, no, he only looks like him. Immediately, it gets down to a church committee right away. You know, it's like, no, I don't think so. Maybe so. I'm not sure. But he insisted. He said, no, I am the man. I'm him. Then how were your eyes open? The man they called Jesus. Made mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Asylum and wash, so I went and washed, and then I could see. Where's the man? I don't know where the man is, but look at me. Come on, it's me, I can see. And then look at the next header, I love it. Mood changes, music starts, the Pharisees investigate the healing. Oh, congratulations, hello, we're the Pharisees. We heard you used to be blind, and now you can see. We're gonna form a committee and get to the bottom of this. Did it happen on the Sabbath? Yep, we knew it probably would. That guy did it, he's always doing stuff on the wrong day. Cannot believe a guy like that would do stuff like that on the wrong day. Claims to be God, can't be God, must be a liar, must be a false prophet. Are you really, were you really blind? I don't know if you were blind. I, go get the guy's parents, because we don't even know if this guy's an imposter. He might not really be a guy who was blind. Let's get his mom and dad in here and see what they say. We'll run a paternity test. We'll find out if he's really the son of the parents who had the kid born blind. And you're like, Hello? Excuse me? This is the largest case of missing the point. <laughs> and I only say that because some of you are still poking around. Oh, oh really? Well, uh, did he create the world in six days or was it already old when he made it? Well, how, how does all that fit together? And there's someone standing right in front of you going, It's me look at me, I was in shambles, bro, and he put my life back together. I know, but last week, Louis said that little passage wasn't in the original manuscript, and, um, and how did it get in then, if it wasn't in, and I'm not sure about all that, we're going to form a committee, and, and you're like, okay, investigate, that's great, God's fine with that, look, Pope turn things upside down, dig, use your brain, that's fine, God's okay with that. But look, it's your brother, it's your mother, it's your son, look at them. They were blind, they can see now, something has happened. Open your eyes to the idea that maybe God is real, and maybe he is supernaturally powerful, and maybe something has happened. And so they get the kids' parents over there and and his parents knew that Jesus was a hot button topic, and they didn't want to go right out there with it all. And so I love it. So look what it says in verse 19: uh, "Is this your son?" I just love their tone. It's just so ridiculous, and that's why a lot of people aren't in church this morning because they hate the tone of the Pharisees. "Is this your son? Is this your son?" Is this your son? Uh, You know, let me get my little tie up and my little suit's on too tight. Is this your son? I want my lapel pin. Is this your son? You know, and you're like, who are you? We've been put in charge of all faith matters in the whole world. Everything answers to us. You know who I'm talking about. Some of you are nodding along. I know that guy. Yes, I know him. Brother Barry, Bless him. Is this your son? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? And here comes the answer. We know he's our son. And we know he was born blind. But how he can see or who opened his eyes, we don't know. But you can ask him. He's of age and he can answer for himself. That was their way of sort of dodging the Jesus question because they knew because he told them. They knew Jesus had done it. But they didn't want to get on the record with that. So they said, well, he's old enough to answer for himself. But don't you love that answer? We, we, he's definitely our son. And he was definitely born blind. But we're not sure what happened to him. I just want to say that there, there's no better evangelism. Evangelism, if you're, not, if you're new to church, is just the whole idea of telling other people about what God's doing in your life. And there is no better evangelism than being blind and then seeing, because that will get a lot of conversations going for you. Hard evangelism is, I know I'm supposed to tell my coworker about Christ, and I don't know what I'm going to do. What will I do? What will I do? How will I get that in a conversation? We never talk about anything spiritual. Oh, I know, I'll, I'll get a, a, a little Christian booklet and slip it on their desk when they're not looking and they won't know where it came from. And then I'll go back in my office and pray. You're like, I did that this week, is that bad? <laughs> if it looks like a $20 bill, it is. And if you left one of those for a server in a restaurant, don't do that. The better way to, for your coworker in the other cubicle to, to hear about Christ is for you to have been blind and to be seen. Or for you to have a limp and to be walking on your own. For you to have had your, your family fall apart and for you still to have such hope and joy and be encouraging everyone in the office. For you to lose someone that you love and through the tears say, but I have confidence and I have hope. That's how, because then people say, weren't, weren't you the guy born blind? What, what, aren't you the guy born blind? And then they start investigating, I think you were, I think, I think I've think i partied with you before, I think I've seen you intoxicated before, I think I've seen you half-dressed out in the parking lot, you know, shaking, swinging your coat over your head, you know, what I mean, I, I think I know you, what happened to you? You're different, you've changed, and what a powerful place for that to start, is at home. There's nothing more potent than a mom and dad seeing their son or daughter's life be turned upside down by the power of Jesus Christ. There is nothing more powerful. And what an answer to their friends at, at the club or at the bridge deal or at the soccer game. Isn't that? Isn't that Johnny? It is Johnny. <laughs> what happened to him? We don't know. <laughs> but look at him. He's not running around with the wrong people. He's not all up in rage all the time, something's changed and come over him. He's a different kid. I mean, he's been at this youth group thing and we're not really sure about the whole church thing and he says that the youth group thing that something about God and we don't get all that, you know? We don't understand all that but look at him, something happened. We don't know what happened but something happened to him and then I love his answer. They say, get him, he can speak for himself and so he comes and uh Verse 24, a second time they summoned the man who'd been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man's a sinner, and here comes his answer. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Is that, your, is that our story today? Because that's irrefutable. You know, I, I don't know... Um, how Joseph Smith got the tablets and started Mormonism. I don't, no, I don't know that, but I do know this. I was blind, and Jesus gave me sight. Well, how does Christianity stack up against this, that, and the other? And how would you respond to the evolutionist? And how would you respond to this biochemist who wrote this article and said, I, I don't know. But I will tell you this I was blind. I could not make it through life. I didn't understand. I didn't see. And Christ came and opened my eyes. And I'm telling you, I get it for the first time in my life. I understand for the first time in my life. I see God for the first time in my life. I see the love of God and the grace of God for the first time in my life. I really see my value to God for the first time in my life. I I was doomed, and I was dark where I was living, and I see now, so I'm not sure about your question, and I'll, I'll try to dig into that. I'll, I'll see if I can figure that out, and I'm not sure about how to answer that critic over there, and I'm not sure I'm ready to debate everybody on planet Earth, but I'll tell you this much. I was blind, and now I see. That's an irrefutable argument. It's an, it's an irrefutable place to be, and I love it. I think I may have told you this before, but I had a conversation a few uh, a year or so ago with a woman who has a PhD in nanotechnology. She teaches at a very high, prestigious university in America. And we were having a conversation. I was, at the time, kind of fascinated by nanotechnology, and so we were talking a little bit about it. And, and I said, well, what's it like, you know, being in your place, you know, you're this professor, Ph.D., scholar, rac- you know, writer, academia, and you're, you're so smart, and yet you, you love Jesus. And she said, yeah, it's interesting, but <clears throat> you know, it's not really that complicated. She said, and then she told me a story. She said, our school newspaper did a story on me. Not, not, this school is like not looking for any Christian slant on anything, right? And now here comes this Christian professor who's into nanotechnology. They decided to do an article on her in the school newspaper, and the, the person who comes to write the article, first question out of the hopper, well, how would you reconcile evolution and your understanding of science and creation and the Genesis account? And blah 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 next question what, what are your thoughts about abortion and, and this and conception and and immediately just putting as big a hot-button items out there as you can not unimportant items just you know the items that everybody wants to get out there and sort of blow everything up right away because you're a Christian and she said here's, here's her answer in the school newspaper you know what I don't really think that in a very short interview like this, we can really get to the bottom of of my own personal reconciliation of science and faith, and I'm not really uh, thinking that in this setting right here, I really want to get into the whole issue of, 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 of this or this or this, but what I'd like to tell you is this, one of the most powerful things that brought me to faith was that my sister had cancer, and she was healed miraculously by the power of God, and she's alive. And she said, in effect, put that in the paper. We can, we can talk. I mean, she, she's bright. She, she can talk on any subject you want to about science and faith. She's extraordinarily bright. But what I want you to put in the paper is that my sister had cancer and was dying, and God healed her. Put that in the paper. Because that's what pushed me over the edge. It's, it's just it's having a testimony It's having something true about our lives. It's being able to speak about our own experience with God. It's about coming to that place where all the critics can come around, and they will. I mean, they were ready to stone Jesus, and at the end of this story, they took the blind guy and threw him out. They said, we're done with you, man. We're tired of hearing your stories, and now you're trying to tell us what? The Pharisees are like, you know, eventually he was frustrated and said, why do you keep asking me about this guy? Do you want to be one of his followers too? And they're like, oh, now we got God guy born blind trying to tell us what, what, what we're all about. Come on, don't get up at you like that. And they threw him out. I mean, you're thinking you're going to just be walking down the street and they're going to be like, get him up in the temple. Let him tell his story. Let him share in the synagogue. No, get rid of that guy because he was blind and now he sees. We don't need him. So don't be, don't be down. I always try to say this. If, if people don't get you, you're not the first person that people didn't get because when you say, I was blind and now I can see, you're now putting people on their heels because they wanted to talk theory and you talked about reality. They wanted to debate and you talked about a miracle. And people don't know what to do with that. And so they're gonna push back at you with some kind of dismissal. Nah, I don't believe in that. No, I don't think you were blind. Nah, no, I, 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 I don't think you're the guy. Yeah, I don't believe that stuff. It's no, this all make-believe. Now, I'll give you two weeks and see what happens to you. You're like, it's already been eight. Okay, I'll give you ten then. Two more. You know, and and when that happens, don't walk away and go, they're all persecuting me. Just go, me and a man born blind. Right there together. People sometimes don't want to get it. And do you know why? Does anyone know why they don't get it? Because they're blind. He wasn't the only guy born blind. I I know a guy born blind. Me. And you were as well, as were you, and 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 you. Is he going to go through everybody? Yes. Oh. Everybody was born blind, and the problem is that we get used to blurriness. When I met Shelley, I was 25 years old in grad school, and I, my, my eyesight went. I noticed that when I'd be in the library studying, and I'd look up at the clock, and I couldn't see the clock, and so I'd just walk up closer to it, and then go back and sit down. I never dawned on me that I couldn't see. I just thought, I've got to get up and go to the clock. And we started dating and we were sitting in church uh, the summer after and, and, and Shelly would be looking at me and she goes, you need glasses, man. And I'm like, we just started dating, you know? Don't start telling me that you know what I need and don't need. And, and I'm looking, at, I don't need glasses, I'm 25 years old. She's like, you need glasses, this is ridiculous, look at you. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about, you know? And she said, look at the choir. She said, how many people are on the back row of the choir? And I'm like, about 15. What color are the things? I know you can see the robes, but what color are the other things? Are they green? No, they're blue. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, it's far away. She said, and she said, and so I'm fighting her. I'm like, I don't need glasses. She says, Yes, you do. You're squinting. You're squinting. You're squinting. Everywhere you look, you're squinting. I'm like, Am I, I'm not squinting, you know. And so finally, you know, hello. Learned it right then and there. Early on, she's always right, you know. So hello. <laughs> you know, that was the moral of that story. When she said you need glasses, I should have just left the service immediately and gone right down to eye vision, you know, and gotten a test. So Monday came and on my lunch hour, I went down to the mall and went into the thing and they did the dials and all that this A better, B better, B better, A better, A better, B better. Why are you trying to trick me, man? Just give me glasses. That's what I'm in here for. Why are you trying to humiliate me? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Did I get it right? Did I get it wrong? I can't see. That's why I'm in here. You know, I'm just, I've never understood that. A or B. B or A. I'm like, what happened to A and B, A and B? I mean, why are you switching them around on me? I don't know. But you know what happens when they dial them up, right, and you start reading the fine print, and then you get all bold, you know, like, A, L, N, C, G. You know, you start out with, I'm going to go with S on that one. B? You know, then they get it all dialed up, and you're just like, come on, rock it out. Go, go lower. Go lower. Okay, give me I can, I can read. It says copyright 2011. <laughs> Medivacs. You know, and you're like, yeah. and then, and so I got contacts, and after a couple hours, I got them in, and <laughs> I'm not kidding, and, and everybody knows this. I mean, most of you know this. A lot of you still have fantastic vision, and God bless you. I want contacts in right now, and um. I'm driving back to my office at the church. It's a summer college pastor there. And I'm driving down this road that I've driven down for several weeks, and I'm going, oh, wow. The circus is coming. I didn't know. It's on that big billboard right there, but I didn't know that's what that was. And I spent the next two or three days going to her mostly. Can you see that tower, that, that cell, that tower down there? She's like, uh-huh, the one with the six little blinking lights on it. You know, she has eagle vision, you know, and I'm like, yeah, that one, you know. And I'm just so blown out of the water. I, I had, like you, I had grown accustomed to blurriness. And the whole world has The whole world can't see, and they don't even know it. And the worst of the worst are the ones who are in positions of religious authority who think they know it all and have never met I am that I am in the person of Jesus Christ. And they're telling you all of the do's and don'ts and the ins and outs of the law and faith. And they're as blind as a bat and worse, because at least bats can get around with sonar and these cats can't go anywhere. And Jesus concludes and he says, I'm standing here and this blind man, he goes back to the blind man. He goes back and finds him. They throw him out, he goes back and finds him. He says, do you believe in the son of man? And he goes, yes, tell me who he is. And he goes, you're looking at him. And he's like, okay, Do you believe? it? he goes, "Uh uh-huh. And you know what he did? First thing, he worshiped. So he got double sight. He's seeing, and he got to see the Messiah, the son of the living God. He got to see with his eyes. He got to see with faith. He got to know who Jesus was, and he worshiped Jesus. And then Jesus said, the whole point of all this is that there are people who are blind, and they're the ones who are in good shape because they know it. And all they have to do is ask me, and I'll spit on the ground and make mud and put it on their eyes and they'll see. And there are people who think they can see, and these people who think they can see are the ones in real trouble. Not the blind people who know they're blind, the ones who think they can see are the ones in real trouble because they're gonna end up being blind forever. So you know what's good? What is really good is to say, I'm blind. I was born blind. Yes, I've seen Jesus, but I'm still kind of blurry. And so I need Jesus every day to keep putting mud on my eyes and to keep opening my eyes. I'm walking into a business deal tomorrow. What is my prayer? God, put mud on my eyes and open my eyes as I walk through these doors. I'm walking into a new circumstance tomorrow, and what is my prayer? God, I don't see very good. I can't trust my vision. I I, I don't see 2020 sometimes. Open my eyes today. Help me understand, perceive, know what you're doing all around me right now. Give me supernatural God vision to be able to see and know what's happening in this conversation, in this relationship, in this dilemma, in this lawsuit, in whatever it is in my classroom, in my school, wherever I am. Give me eyes to see. It's the perpetual prayer of God give me good seeing, give me the ability, open my eyes, open my eyes. You say, well, I thought he opened your eyes. He did. He did open our eyes in faith to know he is Jesus Christ, paid the price, lover of the soul, that he's going to pave a way for us to know God forever. He did that. But then it's continually opening, 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 opening. So all the way through, we keep saying, I'm blind, but Jesus can make me see. I was blind today, Tuesday, but Jesus opened my eyes to understand what's happening in this thing. Everybody else is blind in there, but I walked in, asked God to help me see. He helped me see, and I'm seeing what's going on in there. To keep saying that we're blind is to have the potential to see. But to keep saying that we see fine is to set ourselves to be blind forever. And Jesus is here. He's here. You're like, I don't know if I believe in miracles. You know that whole thing where he spit on the mud and put the mud on the guy? I'm not sure about that. Well, guess what? Jesus actually knelt down in the dirt in the the Garden of Eden, and he scraped the dirt together, and he made Adam. I don't know if he spit in it or not. It doesn't say. Might have. Maybe that's the ticket. His spit and dust of earth make miracles. But it says in, in the Garden Of Eden he took dirt and made a man so when he made the mud it was not like hope this works (laughs) he was pretty confident that day and the miracle to me close with this really wasn't that he he put mud on the guy's eyes and let him see that's really to me not the miracle I mean he did that but it's not like look what I did the miracle is that he wanted to do that, that he was standing there that day on planet earth. And the miracle today that you need, trust me, he's not looking at you going, oh, I don't know about that one. He made you. He formed you. So whatever else it is that you need, it's possible. The miracle today is not that he can, he can. The miracle is that he wants to take a rebel like me and give me sight all over again.